This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, an easy and free way to get your podcast journey started. Whether you have been recording for years or you're looking for a place to start, Anchor FM is the way to go to get your podcast on all platforms. Click the link in the bio to get started. Top of the morning, 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 top of the morning. Hold on. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. This is Top of the Morning, where we talk about sports and a whole lot more. I am Cameron, your host. Week one has finally come to an end in the NFL season, with the latest game being Monday night, where Russell Wilson went back to Seattle to play against the Seahawks with his new team, the Denver Broncos. They dropped that game by one point with a score of 17-16. to But before we dive into the rest of the weekend with the biggest winners and the biggest losers, I'm going to go into a little segment in case you missed it. We had a couple things happen in the sports world and also not the sports world. A rule change in baseball that will take effect in 2023. This change will affect the pitch clock. Pitchers will now have 15 seconds with no runners on base to get their pitch off. Uh, And they will also have 20 seconds with run runner or more on base. These rules have been changed to obtain, quote, the very best version of baseball. You also see pitchers only allow two step-offs per plate appearance. Everyone after is going to be a balk. Hitters must signal ready to pitcher before eight seconds left on a pitch clock to give them ample time to get their pitch off. So this is to reduce the length of the MLB games. It went from three and a half hours to a little under three hours when the latest rule change was in 2021. So now we're going to make the games even shorter, make it more exciting. Also, they have banned the shift. So you'll see a lot of times when... Uh, strong pull hitters or you know left-handed hitters, right-handed hitters, when they tend to send the ball to their side of the field, typically they will send the third baseman over to where the second baseman sits, and the second baseman will sit in the outfield. Now the rule change is they have to have two guys next to the second base bag, and no infielder is allowed to stand in the outfield. So you'll probably see a lot more hits and a lot more runs come in once the 2023 season starts with this rule change. But I'm really excited. I might actually sit down and watch a full baseball game now with these rule changes. It'll definitely make for a shakeup. Madden 23 has been out for a few weeks now. I have got the game myself. I just wanted to get my opinion on it. Madden 23 is basically just the same as every other Madden that's coming out in the last five years. They did make a couple changes to the franchise mode, especially in the offseason when you go into free agency. You're able to sign players based off what they want and what they need. Not just money now, so money you can sign them to a $100, $100 million contract and they won't sign to your team as they would in the last Maddens, but they're also going to take into account location. So if, if they're close to home or where they went to college or the, the scheme fit or things of that nature, those all now matter when you're going to your offseason signings and free agent signings, which is a pretty cool feature. Face of the franchise has some new differences as well, but as far as the gameplay is, they added some new animations, but all in all, it's Madden. It's still the same Madden. Going into the technology world, Apple just released four new products, the iPhone 14, and iOS 16, which is compatible with the iPhone 8 or newer for phones and for Apple Watches with the Series 4 or newer. This update, of course, comes free. It'll give you new lock screen designs. You're able to edit iMessages and unsend for mail. And a couple other cool things that you're able to do with the new iOS 16 that will come out this year also. And then they also just announced their Apple Watch releases. They're going to release an Apple Watch Ultra which is going to be a 49 millimeter screen. So the biggest screen they've ever made It's going to come in small, medium and large bands and it's going to be cellular only. So you're only going to be able to use the ultra if you pay that $5 a month to add it to your phone plan. 
That way you basically have another phone on your wrist so you're not going to have to have Bluetooth connection to your phone all the time in order to use that watch. And this watch is also water resistant up to 164 meters. So you can go swimming with it. You can take a shower with it. It won't affect the watch. But they did note that their water resistant feature is not permanent. It is water resistant, but over time, if you consistently put it underwater, it will eventually fail. So do be careful about that. It does have a customizable action button that can mark a compass waypoint, start backtrack, and mark segments in a workout, and turn on flashlight, and a bunch of other things. You can also download the Oceanic app for diving. So when you go underwater, you can download the app, and it'll tell you a whole bunch of cool things. The Apple Watch 8, so most recently last year it was the Apple Watch Series 7. Now they're releasing the Apple Watch Series 8. Comes in the same sizes, 45 millimeter and 41 millimeter. This one now has crash detection. So last year had the fall detection and emerging SOS. Now it has crash detection. So if you're in a car, you get in a car accident, now it can, it can send a signal to the hospital, police, whoever it may be, notifying that you got in a car accident, which is pretty cool. It also has sleep, stage, sleep stages tracking so you can get a better sleep cycle. And also the New Year Apple Watch SE comes in the same size, 40 and 44 millimeter as it did last year, and it's up to 20% faster with a swim-proof design. So that's just the, in case you missed it, some pretty cool updates and some pretty cool happens that have happened not only in sports, but other things as well. So now I'm gonna dive into week one of the NFL season. Of course, week one started Thursday when the Buffalo Bills took on the Rams, and the Bills look really good, and the Rams did not. So the Bills won that game 31-10. Josh Allen started off completing his first 10 passes of the game with his first incompletion coming from a drop that turned into an interception, which was not his fault. So we're going to put an asterisk next to that interception in that column for him. The Rams just look off. Cooper Cup definitely picked up where he left off last year as a triple crown winner. He had 13 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. He looked really good. Allen Robinson, the new addition for the Rams, did not get as many targets as I thought he would. He just kind of looked like he was out there as a decoy a lot of times, which is not his fault, but you hope that Matt Stafford will give him more targets as the year goes on because he is a quality player. Cam Akers, who's on my fantasy team, as he was on a lot of people's fantasy team, was projected to start and only got three carries all game. I'm not sure what happened there. A lot of people are going to drop him from their fantasy line. A lot of people are going to trade him. He did not look great in pass protection either, which is a big reason why. People think he did not play as much as he did. So Daryl Henderson got most of the workload that day. Hopefully next week it changes. Sunday, there was a full slate of game. We're going to talk about the biggest winners and the biggest losers from this weekend. Biggest losers are going to be both Super Bowl contenders from last year, which is the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. I say the Cincinnati Bengals is the biggest loser because they should have won that game. Joe Burrow came out sloppy. He threw four interceptions for the game. Jamar Chase had a game for himself. He, of course, same thing with Cooper Cup, picked up where he left off. He had a great game, a couple touchdowns, 160 some odd yards. He had a big catch in the end zone that did not count, but is one of the best catches I've ever seen any receiver make. There was a moment, and this is why I want to pin Cincinnati as the biggest loser. There was a moment where Jamar Chase in the fourth quarter caught an out route from Joe Burrow, and he scored the touchdown but the ref called him short. But on the replay, it was obvious he had the ball on the right side over the line and the coach quick snap on the next play. You would love to see coach Zach Taylor buzz up to his coordinator and say, hey, we need to take a look at this play. We need to challenge this. And they would have scored a touchdown. Would that have changed the outlook of the game? Maybe not. It could have been the same thing, but that was a huge missed call. Jamar Chase did end up, of course, scoring the touchdown to tie the game. 
and to potentially go into overtime where the kick by Evan McPherson was blocked by Megan Fitzpatrick. The wing on the special teams, so if you look at the wing on the Cincinnati Bengals field goal unit, they teach you in grade school as a wing, your first job is inside out. Mika Fitzpatrick, of course, took the inside, and you see the wing blocking out to make sure the guy from the outside didn't round the edge and get the block. Meanwhile, Mika had a straight shot to the ball and got the block. I'll pin that on him. You're supposed to go inside out. If you went inside, it makes it really hard for that outside guy to come around and get that block. So maybe Cincinnati wins that game if that wing does his job. Biggest winners from this weekend are going to be the New York Giants. The New York football giants, they started 0-2 for the past four or five years. It's been a while since I've seen them win their first game. Saquon Barkley looked really good. He had almost 200 total yards rushing and receiving this past week. He looked like he's back in shape. I don't want to say that Saquon Barkley is back yet because this is week one, but he looked really good. So I'm excited to see where this season goes. I'm excited to see what Saquon does this year and what he can produce for the team this year. Daniel Jones still looked a little sloppy. I still give him about four weeks to make a case for himself, and I still think this is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. A couple of the other biggest losers I have for this weekend, the Falcons gave up 17 fourth-quarter points to the Saints and blew that lead again. Of course, they blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl a couple years back to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So the Saints scored 17. Michael Thomas had two touchdowns to win that game and come back from behind. The AFC South, as a conference, I'm going to pin as a biggest loser. The AFC South did not win a single game this past weekend, and two of the teams played each other. The Colts and Texans tied in overtime, 20-20, to and the Jaguars and the Titans both lost their opening week games. The Packers are amongst the biggest losers this week. Also, Aaron Rodgers had a very off game to the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson went absolutely absurd this game. He had nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. Came out with the vengeance week one and definitely made a statement for him being the, one of the top receivers in the league this year. Aaron Rodgers only 195 yards in a pick this past week. And their rookie, Christian Watson, looks like he may have been drafted a little bit too high. He ran a go out and he was wide open for a touchdown. Would have been his first catch and his first touchdown on the same play and it went right through his hands. Aaron Rodgers during the offseason was talking to his receivers and basically said, hey, if you can't catch the ball, you can't play. He was noticeably frustrated, especially after Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders. And he didn't have the talent after Adams to really back up what he could have in Adams in his security blanket. So he's noticeably frustrated. He definitely has a lot of adjustments to make this year to be able to get back into playoff contention. We'll see how that year goes for him. The Cowboys, also amongst the biggest losers, they lost 19-3 to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dak Prescott with a thumb injury. He is going to be out six to eight weeks. He had surgery yesterday on that thumb. So the next question is, who is his replacement going to be? They do have Cooper Rush on the roster. You hear rumors about Cam Newton being brought into Dallas. I think he's still a high-caliber quarterback. I don't believe that there's 32 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton right now. He did show some struggles last year when he got re-signed to Carolina. But I still think he could do some really good things, especially with Dallas and the talent around him. We'll see how Jerry Jones attacks this next couple weeks to see if he does bring in another quarterback or if he just goes with the backup for the next six to eight weeks for Dak to come back. The ball's in his court for that decision. The biggest winners that we had from this past weekend, the Washington Commanders. They beat the Jaguars 28-22. to Carson Wentz played a great game. He had 313 yards and four touchdowns. He did throw those two picks, but he did play well. 
Carson Wentz, of course, was under scrutiny leaving Indianapolis that he was washed, that he was not a good quarterback, even though he had a pretty good season last year. And their rookie receiver, Jahan Dotson, had the game-winning touchdown and two touchdowns in his first career game. He had three catches for 40 yards and two touchdowns. Antonio Gibson was the leading receiver with 72 yards. Watched the Commanders look good in their first week. Granted, it was against the Jaguars, so I'll take it with a grain of salt. But Jaguars did play decent. Uh, Christian Kirk, their $84 million receiver, did have over 100 yards with 117 on six catches. Their running back, James Robinson, had 66 yards and a touchdown. And Trevor Lawrence had 275 with a touchdown and an interception. So looking for the Jaguars to bounce back week two and looking for the Commanders to continue on their hot streak of what is one game. Tua and the Dolphins got a win against the Patriots. That final score was 20-7. to Tua is 4-0 against the Patriots. He's never lost a game against Bill Belichick. With the addition of Tyreek Hill, he has another weapon alongside Jalen Waddell. Tua's arm strength has been a question of concern the whole offseason as Tyreek and Jalen Waddell are two of the fastest receivers in the NFL. Got to be able to get the ball downfield to them. He did have a couple underthrows, but he did make a couple good throws. He made a slant route on fourth down to Jalen Waddle, who ran it in for a touchdown. The Dolphins look good against the Patriots. We'll see how the Dolphins pan out for the rest of the year. We'll see if Tua can prove us all wrong about his arm strength. We all know his accuracy, as Tyree Hill said, was better than Patrick Mahomes. We'll see if Tua can put it all together and keep that team as a unit and go the distance with this team. Of course, they started out 0-8 last year, and then they finished 8-0. They did have a lot of drama with Brian Flores and throwing games to be paid by the owner. That's all out the window now. Cast out the bag. So hopefully the Dolphins can settle in and just play football, and they'll actually win some games. The Chargers in their first game against the Raiders look really good. Justin Herbert had a great game. Justin Herbert went for 279 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Derek Carr going for 295. He did have the three interceptions, but Devontae Adams, his new security blanket, of course, they played together at Fresno State in college, so they already had that connection going in. They did not have to relearn anything. He had 10 catches for 141 yards and a touchdown. He's definitely where he left off with Green Bay. We all know Devontae is one of the best route runners in the league. It kind of doesn't matter what quarterback is throwing to him. He's going to be open. As long as you can put it in his area, he's going to have a great game. One of the biggest stories for this weekend was Baker Mayfield, the Panthers quarterback, playing against his former team in the Cleveland Browns, and we won. The Browns end up winning that game 26-24. to Baker did play decent against his former team. He did have 235 yards and a touchdown, also an interception. You'd like to see Christian McCaffrey do more. 10 carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown. He just hasn't been himself with all the injuries, but hopefully he can bounce back this year and have a healthy season and go to distance. Carolina does have talent on their team. They could make a playoff push if they keep everybody healthy. Of course, Deshaun Watson suspended 11 games, so Jacoby Brissett made the start. He had 147 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb carried the load with 141 yards on the ground. And Kareem Hunt was a good secondary asset. He had a touchdown on the ground and through the air with 80 total yards to show for it. You know Baker Mayfield wanted to go in there and win that game to prove to his former team that he is who he says he is without them. Couldn't do it, couldn't get the job done. Cade York, however, has a monster leg, and he's the one that kicked the game-winning field goal for them. But I'm excited for Carolina and see what they can do. I'm excited for Baker Mayfield and hoping that he can turn it around from this year. He had a lot of scrutiny in Cleveland last year, so hopefully he can come to Carolina. With Sam Darnold being out with injury, hopefully he can take the reign and push Carolina in the direction that they need to go. So that was it for week one. Week two, of course, starts Thursday, September 15th, with the Chargers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. That's going to be a great game to watch and a couple of games that you're going to want to keep tabs on. 
are going to be the Cardinals taking on the Raiders, 425 on Sunday. The Dolphins taking on the Ravens at 1 o'clock. Patriots are going to take on the Steelers at 1 o'clock as well. And then the Panthers are going to take on the Giants at 1 o'clock. Panthers and the Giants, they've had some pretty good games in years past. The one that I remember the most is a game in, I believe it was 2018, where Panthers kicker Graham Gano kicked what was then the, the record of a 63-yard field goal to beat the Giants in Charlotte. It was a great game to watch. 38-35 was the final score. I was at that game in person, and as a Giants fan, my heart was crushed. So hopefully Giants can win that game and start out 2-0, which will be a definitely a difference from what they have done in the past years, starting out 0-2. The Falcons and the Rams, they're both 0-1. They're looking to get their first win. That game is going to take place at 4:05 on Fox. Seahawks and the 49ers take place at 4:05, and also the Bengals and the Cowboys, who are also both 0-1. Of course, Dak Prescott, like I said, has, is now out for six to eight weeks with that thumb injury. Joe Burrow going into Dallas. Hopefully he can bounce back and not turn the ball over as much, turn it over five times this past week. Hopefully he can take care of the ball and get a win in Dallas with this team. Week 2 is going to be capped off with a doubleheader on Monday night. Titans and the Bills are going to take place at 7.15, and the Vikings and the Eagles are going to take place at 8.30. I'm excited for Week 2 of the NFL season. Definitely going to be some great games to watch. Tune in Thursday, like I said, 8.15 for the Chargers and the Chiefs. I'll be back later this week with updates on the game and a Week 2 analysis and predictions. That is it for Top of the Morning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Top of the morning, 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 top of the morning. Hold on.